Amen. If you turn your Bibles, please, to the book of 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning with verse number 1. It is Sunday, isn't it? And every day since, every Sunday since Jesus rose from the dead, the faithful in Christ and those who believe in his resurrection gather together each and every Sunday to celebrate to celebrate that resurrection of Jesus Christ. So every time we come on Sunday morning, it's a celebration of that resurrection. It's a celebration of what Jesus did for us. But on today, we come as a special Sunday, a special Easter Sunday to remember in our hearts the truth that Jesus sealed for us by his resurrection, and that is we've got good news, don't we? And this morning, Paul wants to remind us in the book of uh, 1 Corinthians what the resurrection is and how it culminates and how it seals and how it affirms the good news that we have in our hearts and lives. And so I want us to remember as we read this scripture that we do have the good news, that we do have good news in the world that we have today. We do have good news to share, and we are to share it. So as we read these verses, let's prick our hearts and let's be reminded of the good news that comes through Jesus Christ and his command that we go out and share it. So 1 Corinthians 15, let's begin with verse number one where it says this. It says, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you which you received in which you stand and by which you are being saved if you hold fast to the word I preached to you unless you believe in vain. For I delivered to you as in first importance what I also received that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the, uh, with the scriptures, and that the apostle, that he appeared to Caiaphas and to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of, them of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James and to all the apostles. Last of all, as one untimely born, he appeared also to me, for I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God, but by the grace of God, I am who I am. And the grace towards me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though I was not, uh, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is in within me. Rather me, or if it is I or they, so that we preach, and so you believe. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, just thank you so much. We just thank you so much for the gospel. We just thank you so much for the good news. We just thank you for that word that shows us your grace, that word of the gospel that reminds us of the complete story, that you came to this earth, that you walked here among us, that you died for our sins, that you were buried, and Lord, that you were risen, and Lord, that you are coming again. Lord, let us hearts be reminded of that gospel. Let it seal it into our hearts and let it be proclaimed in our lips whenever we leave this place. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. He wants us to remember the gospel. And so hard it is sometimes for us to forget the good news 
because we get so much bad news in our life. And just as we always remember during this time of, of, of the transition about the contrast between that loneliness and that heartbreak and that sorrow and that pain that was experienced there on that Friday and how it contrasted and how it was turned to joy on that Easter Sunday morning. And it so much is like in our life as we think about the Fridays that we face. And sometimes those Fridays can cause us to forget about the good news of Jesus Christ. Sometimes we can get so lost in what's going on in the world. And uh, we can get so lost in thinking about how the world is collapsing and how we think about how the world is just lost to sin. And we think about the state of the church. Or maybe we think about the state of the people around us, or maybe we think about the state of our own hearts and what we're going through. We get so lost in those Fridays that we forget about Sunday. But what Paul wants us to remember is that there was a Sunday, and that Sunday culminates, and it turns that bad news into good news. It turns a horrible Friday into a good Friday. And so he wants us to remember the gospel this morning. And so what does he want us to know about the gospel this morning? Well, he wants us to know that with the gospel is what we stake our life on. And I want us to notice in these first couple of verses how he explains that the gospel is both as believers, our past, our present, and our future. He says, the gospel to which you have received. And he talks about that that's what Paul preached to the people. That's what the apostles preached to the people. They didn't come with anything fancy. They didn't come with any clever stories. They didn't come with any, anything that would distract from the gospel. What they came and preached to them is that Jesus Christ died for our sins and that he rose up and that he is alive and that he is living and he desires to have a relationship with you. Let us remember that we have received the good news. Let us remember back to that time to which Jesus called us. Because if you know Jesus Christ, you know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. There may have been a time way back, maybe in Bible school, where you just followed the crowd and got baptized, but then you got realized later on in life that Jesus came and you knew Him personally. You knew Him as a personal Savior. I see, knocked on your heart and said that you are a sinner and you need to come for me. Let us remember the gospel and how it shaped our past and how it took us from where we were walking back in those old dark days to where we are now. He wants to know that the gospel surrounds our past, but the gospel is also in our present. He said, this grace, this gospel by which we stand. It's what we shape our life on. It's what we depend our hearts on. We have taken everything and we have placed it in the trust of Jesus Christ. It's what gets us through those hard times in life. It's what gets us through in the morning. It's what gets us through those times of illness. It gets, those, gets us through those times that we have low money. It gets those times when we have people do us wrong. It's the gospel to which we stand. When people come and they say, how can you believe in Jesus? How can you have such hope? Why do you live your life in such a way? And when people mock us and when people say bad things about us and when people talk bad about Christians, we don't really worry about it because we are standing on the gospel. It shapes our past, shapes our present, 
also shapes our future. He says, if you will remain in it, unless you believe in vain. He wanted to encourage and said, not forget about the gospel, but live in it every day. He said, don't abandon the message of Jesus Christ, dead, buried, and risen again, and coming back for us. Don't go off to Mohammed. Don't go off to Buddha. Don't go off to, uh, to uh, naturalism. Don't go off into atheism, but stay true to the gospel of Jesus Christ unless you believe in vain. What does he mean by that? Well, you just think about us as believers, what we give up to follow Jesus Christ. Because when we believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ, we make some decisions based upon that. We make a decision to live not according to the way that the world lives. So we give up all the pleasures of the world to follow Jesus. And if we were to abandon the gospel, then we've denied ourselves of those things in vain. We set our hope on eternity. So we dedicate our hearts to living for Jesus. We dedicate ourselves to following him. We wake up every Sunday early in the morning and we give up football, we give up radio, we give up beating people out to the restaurants all for the sake of the gospel. And if it's truly not in our heart, then we're just missing sleep. And that's the way it is. If you don't have Jesus Christ in your heart, if you haven't truly accepted the gospel, you've just missed a couple hours of good sleep this morning and got nothing for it. But I pray you have that good news in your heart. And I pray that is it affecting every bit of your life, the past, your present right now, and how you will make decisions in the future. But then he wants to know what this gospel really is. Listen to what he says, and I think these verses 3 and 4 are verses that we should all have memorized in our hearts and our life. Listen to what he says, For I deliver to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, and that he was raised, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that he is, that he appeared to Caiaphas and then to the 12. The first thing he wants us to know is that the gospel is foremost. It's the most important thing. It's the only thing that really you need to know. If you don't learn anything else about what you learn here in church, what you need to know is this message, that Jesus died for our sins in accordance with the scripture, and that he was buried, and that he was raised, and he actually appeared in physical form, and people like Caiaphas, and people like the other 11, and people like the other disciples, and all the women, those people saw him, and it was real. And we need to take that into our heart. And it's the foremost thing. And we as believers, we may disagree about a whole lot of things. But this is what we all gotta get right. This is what we all gotta be united on. And that is the gospel. 
and it's delivered as of most importance of all the things that you could tell your neighbor. It's the gospel. It's the thing that we, of utmost importance, that we should share. And we as believers, and we as a church, any good thing that we may do, whether it's meeting somebody's need, where it's comfort them in time of trouble, where it's giving them words of hope, if we haven't really, in accordance and with that, given them the gospel of Jesus Christ, then we really haven't given them anything. But also the gospel is quite simple. A lot of people are nervous about sharing their faith. They say, well, I don't know enough scripture. I don't know what to say. I don't know how to answer all these questions. I don't know how to relate to people. But it's real simple. It's It's right here. Just in these three simple verses, three, four, and five. That's the gospel. That's all you need to say because that's really all there is. And if you are able to speak those words and speak that message to those that are lost, you just turn it over to the Holy Spirit and let him do the work in their heart. The gospel is a foremost. It's quite simple, but it's also affirmed. The gospel message is affirmed to us. Where is it affirmed to us? Where is it proven at? How can you prove the gospel? How can you prove it's true? Because it says right here in these verses that he did those things, that he, he died and that he was buried and that he has risen according to the scriptures. And in here, he's talking about the Old Testament. And don't we know that even the Old Testament proclaims the good news of Jesus? He said, well, what verses proclaim and the Old Testament's proclaimed the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, pretty much just all of them. You could start in Genesis. And even at the time when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, as God spoke to that snake and said that, you may have struck my heel, but one day I'm going to crush your head. Even from the beginning, even in that first fall, God promised of the day that he would crush Satan. And how did he crush Satan and his authority? By sending Jesus Christ. Then later on, man, we're not even out of Genesis yet. And he appears to Abraham and he makes a promise. He said, Abraham, by your faith, I'm going to bless you. You are going to be blessed. And all the world is going to be blessed by your descendants. How is that blessing going to come? How is he going to be a great nation? It was going to be in the coming of Jesus Christ, fulfilling that promise that he made to Abraham. And then we get into Exodus and we see how God just sets a picture of what he was going to do, how he brought the children out of Israel by not any merit of their own, but yet because of his will, his own will, because of his love for those people, he provided a way through the shedding of a blood to deliver them out of their captivity, and bring them into the promised land, thus showing the picture of what he was going to do through Jesus. Then you go into the the prophets, and Isaiah promises the coming of a suffering servant. You get to Jeremiah, he talks about a new covenant of blood, a covenant not based on works, but a covenant based on how what God was going to do, promising the coming 
of Jesus Christ. Then you get to Ezekiel and how he talks about how bad these shepherds and all these religious leaders were and how they didn't care about the people, but he was going to send the true shepherd and he was going to guide their people and how they had a heart of stone and a heart of rock and he was going to remove that heart of stone. He was going to remove that heart of rock and he was going to give us a new spirit. The scriptures foretold that Jesus was coming. Then in Haggai, they built a new temple when they came back to the promised land. And everybody cried and everybody weeped because that temple wasn't as good as the old temple. And then Jesus gave them a vision and said, you know what? The glory of this temple will be greater than the glory of of the one before. And why would the glory of that temple be so great? Because that temple would be where Jesus came through and made the ultimate sacrifice for our sins. Jesus came and he died for our sins in according with the scriptures. And even if you don't believe those scriptures in the Old Testament, you can believe the testimony that we have in the new scriptures as we have the witness of the people that actually went there and they actually saw it. You see Caiaphas. You see the 11 apostles. You see the other names that listed there that were there and they actually saw Jesus and they were there as he walked upon earth. They were there at the crucifixion. They were there, they saw, and they could attest firmly when they walked away that he was dead. And they saw him buried in that tomb. They saw that stone rolled away, but then they went there on that Sunday and that tomb was empty. Everybody was questioned. Everybody was wondering, uh, wondering. Everybody was running around. Nobody knew what was going on. And then all of a sudden, Jesus started showing himself. And it wasn't just a ghost. It wasn't just a figment of his imagination. But it was Jesus risen from the dead. You could touch him. You could feel him. He could touch you. He could eat. He could do all those things. And it was affirmed through them that Jesus was risen. And so the proof that we have of the gospel is the scripture that we have of the Old Testament and the record of the testimony that we have of the people that were there, but probably the most convincing proof of the reality of the resurrection for those who say, well, that was just a story that they made up. We need to notice how the resurrection changed these people's lives. Where were the disciples on Friday? They were running scared. They were running scared because Jesus got arrested and they didn't know what to do. And they were scared. They were even scared on Sunday when those rumors were coming out that he has risen and they'd been to the tomb and they still didn't know what was going on. They were there. They were locked up in a room and they were in hiding out because they were afraid that the Jews were going to get them. And then as they were there in that room, Jesus came and he uh, appeared to them in their lives were changed. All of a sudden, they weren't scared no more, were they? They weren't scared of the Romans. 
They weren't scared of the religious leaders. They went out healing. They went out preaching. They went out casting out the demons. And then they came and they rounded them up. And they set them there in front of them and said, well, let's scare these people. And he says, you need to stop preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they looked them square in the eye and says, we cannot obey the words of man, but we must obey the words of God. Their lives were changed. They abandoned everything. And they went all over the world telling people that Jesus Christ was the rising. The resurrection changed them. You think about those women, the Marys and all that were listed there. They followed Jesus in his ministry. And their responsibility and their deal was to take care of the, the needs of Jesus and the disciples that were following them. And they followed Jesus all the way over Galilee and even into Jerusalem. And they watched the one that they knew personally the one that they had ministered to and provided for, the one they thought was the Messiah, the one that had for some of them provided works of healing, watched him die. And they were walking with the spices to go bury him. But then all of a sudden, Jesus appeared to them and their lives were changed. They went running and saying, he's alive. They say, you bunch of crazy women, he's not alive. But they stuck to their story. And they too went out proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. He talks about the other disciples and the other apostles that went out. Think about those two men that were on that road to Emmaus. And they were just walking. And they were thinking about uh, what was happening. And all of a sudden, Jesus appeared to them. But they didn't recognize Jesus and said, what are y'all talking about? And they said, man, don't you know? Don't you know about this Jesus? Don't they know how he was handed over to the religious officials? Don't you know how they crucified him? And it said, and we were hoping, we were hoping that he was going to be the Messiah. And then Jesus explained to them through the scriptures of how he must suffer. And then as they sat there to eat and they broke the bread, their eyes were open and they said, didn't our hearts burn when he was in our presence? And they got up immediately. They left the food and everything and they ran back to this place, a place where all these people were, were starting together. They were starting to come in because just like them, they would come in and say, hey, look, we saw Jesus. He appeared to us. And you just think about being there on that Sunday morning as, as you know, you're just there and there's, there's, there, there's people weeping and there's people crying because of what happens to Jesus. But then all of a sudden people start coming in and say, hey, I've seen Jesus. And then here comes another say, hey, I've seen Jesus. And then there comes a guy who actually used to be dead but was risen and then comes in and says, I've seen Jesus. And they all gathered together and they all celebrated because they realized that Jesus had risen. What a day to be there. What a day to be there. I'm sure their hearts were probably more excited for us. But we understand that the true proof of the gospel of the resurrection 
was not the words that they sought, but the way that it changed their life. And the same is true for us as we go out to share that message. And as we talk about the resurrection, and as we talk about how Jesus died for our sins, people will really notice it. They will really be proven to them. It will really be showing if they can see the change in your life. Can people see the reality of the gospel in your life? So when we say and we preach this message that Jesus died and, and, and that he was buried and that he was risen according to the scriptures that we have in the Old Testament and the New Testament, not only can we show them that, not only can we offer that as the proof, but can we offer the proof of our life and how Jesus has worked in it and how Jesus has changed it. The gospel changes lives. But also, the gospel is to be preached. We remember the last story that's shared in the scripture about a changed life, about a guy named Saul. He was walking on a road to Damascus, and he was a man on a mission. And his mission was to round up all these no-good Christians and to haul them into jail. And he was doing God a service, and he was doing God a great favor. Something funny happened on the road. He met the risen Savior. And by the time he gets to Damascus, he's not rounding up the Christians. He's rounding up the non-believers and telling them about Jesus. The Word of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ is to be shared and it is to be preached. Notice how it changed Paul's life. He said, I, he, you know, the Lord didn't appear to me in, in vain. He had no reason to appear to me. I had no reason being apostle, but he appeared to me and he made me apostle by his grace. And I haven't, I haven't, I haven't let him down because I have worked twice as hard. I have worked three times as hard as all these other apostles because of what Jesus did in my heart. And there he says at the end, he says the gospel, we go out to preach it. He says that whether I do it or whether the apostles do it or whether any of these other people who've seen it do it, whether any of these women are to do it, only that it would be preached and only that you would believe. Paul's greatest concern was for those people there in Corinth and those people there in Ephesus and those people there in uh, Philippi and those people there in Thessalonica and those people there in Rome and any other place that would let him in and even some of those places that wouldn't let them in, that everybody would know the gospel, the good news, that Jesus died for our sins, was buried and was risen, and is alive today. Does the gospel burn that much in our heart? Not only that we know it, not only that we remember it, but that it has changed our life, and it has made such an impact that we preach it, and that we share it with those who are around it. It's Sunday. I pray that we always remember of what Christ did for us. And whatever we're experiencing this morning, 
in whatever hardships, in whatever sorrows, that this morning we remember it's Sunday and we remember the gospel of Jesus. And I pray also that we remember this morning those people who we know, we all know, we all got the names of the people in our lives, those people who are close to us, those people that we encounter that don't know the gospel, that don't know Jesus. I pray that has made an impact, such an impact on our lives that it has changed us and that we share it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much. We thank you so much for your son. We thank you so much for sending him, Lord, to walk among us, Lord, to die for us, for our sins, and Lord, to be raised victorious, giving us victory over the devil, giving us victory over death, and giving us victory over the difficulties of our life. Lord, I pray that everyone here this morning knows you. But Lord, I pray that all of us this morning will remember the gospel and that it changes us and that it causes us to share. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.